0: Hey, listeners, this is your host, Rob Flack O'Hara. If you're looking for a way to support my podcast, here are three quick things you can do. Number one, visit iTunes and review the show. More reviews help get the word out. Number two, visit patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara and support my shows. A dollar a month helps a little, and five bucks a month helps a whole lot more and gets you some neat things in return. Number three, tell a friend about the show by sharing links to your favorite episodes via social media. As always, thanks for listening and supporting my podcasts. And now, on with the show. You don't know, Flax. You Don't Know Flack. Welcome to You Don't Know Flack, a podcast full of stories about retro gaming, retro computing, video games, arcade games, and technology from a guy who was there and still is. My name is Rob O'Hara, but for the next 30 minutes, you can call me Flack. Greetings and salutations, listeners, and welcome to another episode of You Don't Know Flack. Today is September 21st, 2016, and I'm your host, Rob Flack O'Hara. On today's episode of You Don't Know Flack, we will be talking about tempting death. These are times that I um, feel like, for one reason or another, I was almost killed, (laughs) taken from this earth, and we will be discussing uh, these uh, brushes with slow and painful death. And speaking of slow and painful death... Uh, I have stored the notes to this week's shows on my Commodore 64. So as I load those up, we'll have a few minutes to chat on this week's loading time. Loading time. Loading time. Loading time. Welcome back to another episode of You Don't Know Flack. Uh, it's been a little while. I have uh, started graduate school. Well, I started this semester of graduate school, I'm taking uh, two classes right now. I had a third class, but it got canceled. It didn't make, as they say in the college lingo, not enough people signed up for the class. But I am taking uh, creative nonfiction and uh, tutorial, which are both uh, fairly writing-intensive classes, a lot of reading, a lot of writing. So I guess uh, if you're going for a master's in professional writing those are two things you can expect (laughs) to encounter, (laughs) uh, in your studies is lots of reading and lots of writing. So, yep, that is taking up a ton, uh, of my free time, but I had a little bit of time this morning before work to get on the mic and do some recording. So that's what I'm doing this morning. Uh, what else have I been doing with my time? I just watched, uh, I guess it was last weekend, I crammed all 8 episodes of Stranger Things. Um, you know, I just don't see how we used to consume a season of television <laughs> over half a year. Um and, and uh Stranger Things I think could have been pared down. I felt like there was it was a lot of it was stretched out. There was a lot, you know, they had 16 hours or eight 2-hour episodes and Uh, I felt like that could have been told in a lot less, maybe two to three hours, uh, story time. But, uh, you know, that seems to be the only way that I watch television anymore is I just wait for the season to show up on Netflix or DVD or, um, you know, wherever else one finds television shows online to watch and stream. And, and, uh, that's, that's what I do. I just finished watching, uh, season three of Barney Miller. (laughs) I started watching, uh, Barney Miller. I have all these like seventies TV sitcoms that I really want to watch like Barney Miller and, uh, soap. And, um, Oh, there's a few like seventies, like late seventies, early eighties. You know, I watched, um, the love boat. I didn't watch, I didn't get all the way through all 10, 11 seasons, whatever of, of the love boat. WKRP is one that's on my list. So, um, Barney Miller is pretty good. Um, but like a lot of these shows, there are almost 200 episodes. And, and, uh, so I've watched, uh, there's more than that. I watched three seasons worth and there's like 20 something per season. So I'm about 75 episodes in, there's a lot left to go. Uh, but, but, you know, of course the sitcom episode is 20 something minutes. So you can, you can churn those out on a lunch break or before bed or, 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 um, I don't know. So, yeah, I've been watching uh, sitcoms. And, you know, now that I'm taking these writing classes, the I watch movies and sitcoms more for structure, uh, dialogue, scenes, how these things are pieced together. So uh, it is true that the more you know, the more you uh, deconstruct things. So I, I, I enjoy, I'm still enjoying movies and, and, uh, TV shows and books and things like that, but you, you do tend to view them from a, a slightly different angle. It's just kind of interesting. Um, let's see, I read a couple of books recently. I, I've, I've been getting into, um, uh, musician memoirs. I, I've always enjoyed that genre. And I read, uh, official truth, 101 proof. That is the inside story of Pantera by Pantera's bassist. Rex Brown. And wouldn't you know it, Rex Brown was the glue that held Pantera together. Most people don't know that, and I'm not sure anyone knows that except Rex Brown. But uh, in his book, he certainly talks about how, (laughs) of course it's from his perspective because he wrote it, but um, it's just uh, amazing how uh, important He is in all the stories when, as an outsider, that's certainly not an angle that we're used to seeing. I also read uh, "A Cure for Gravity" by Joe Jackson. Joe Jackson, I only knew Joe Jackson from his song "Steppin' Out," which was an early '80s uh, MTV video, uh, and it got a lot of MTV play. That's I'm sure that's where I encountered the song. And I had, um, I think it was hit "Explosion" from K-Tel. It was one of those early uh, compilation albums with a lot of songs on it and and stepping out was on that too. So that was my uh exposure, my first exposure to Joe Jackson. Uh I think Breaking Us in 2 got some radio play. There were a few other songs like that, but he's a really eclectic uh, musician and uh, so I found out that he had a memoir out, so I read that. Um he comes off as a little pretentious. Um uh, you know, he he um talks about how he was into writing. He was so into classical music when he was a teenager and trying to write classical music. And, and he's really like, um, you know, what do they say? Like old for his age, you know, like he's really into older things as a young man. So he doesn't fit in. He doesn't fit in at school. Uh, he's kind of from the wrong side of tracks, but it, you know, it was a good read. Um, I, I did enjoy reading it, but Uh, I I think there's a a takeaway from that, maybe from both of those, which is to kind of step outside. I mean, I guess everybody's the hero of their own story, right? You know, but, um, uh, you still, I would think even if you tell a story like that, you still want to come off as, as likable, I would think. So, uh, anyway, uh, interesting stuff. You know what I, one thing I'll talk about real quick is I had someone, um, ask me well I've seen two or three posts I saw forum posts I saw Facebook posts uh people talking about this new Nintendo the NES uh I believe it's called the Classic Edition it is set to be released in November just in time for the holiday season it is a uh, all in one type system that contains 30 classic Nintendo games. I don't have the list here in front of me, but it's some good games. I mean, all the Super Mario Brothers games are on there and the original Mario Brothers. I know Zelda 1 and 2 uh, are on there. So there's a lot of good games on this system, you know, and the discussion has been, who is this for? Obviously it's for, um, you know, I want to say not people like us But I'm presuming something about you by saying that. So I'll say not for people like me. Um, When I see these types of things, these all-in-one systems, and by all accounts, this is supposed to be one of the best all-in-one systems ever released. I mean, it's by Nintendo. Uh, There are rumors that inside this thing is actually uh, Wii, Nintendo Wii components, playing the virtual classic uh, versions of these games. Um, so, and it uses, um, I mean, it comes with uh, a controller and I think additional controllers are five or 10 bucks I and mean, something, I think they're 10 bucks, but they're really affordable. Uh, and the, and you can use them as a classic controller on a Wii. Is that, do they have that on the Wii U? I don't know. I have a Wii U, but I've never played it. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. My son has a Wii U. Um, but, um, you know, so people are like, oh, well, you're a video game guy. Uh, you know, I'm sure you're going to buy it. And there, I have to admit, there's a part of me that wants to buy it. I mean, that it, it looks cute. It looks like a, a real, uh, an original vintage Nintendo, uh, NES unit, only, you know, smaller, but I'm at a point now, like if I were to stop and, and think, And I, I, I have almost no notes for this show, but I'm just thinking out loud here. How many things in my house, how many ways do I have to play original NES games? Uh, and I'm not, I mean, I could say like, well, I have a computer in the living room downstairs that I have set up as like an emulation type computer. Um, and it plays NES ROMs. Um, I won't count every separate computer in the house, but I have multiple computers that all have emulators installed on them that I could play Nintendo games on. I have Raspberry Pis installed with RetroPie that I can play Nintendo games on. I have the uh Android the JXC uh, Android tablet that I purchased uh that has the physical joysticks attached to um the actual tablet. It plays Nintendo games. I have the Myst, uh, the uh, FPGA computer uh, that will play Nintendo games. So, oh, and you know what? I have a couple of Nintendos. <laughs> I have original Nintendos out in the garage and upstairs I have a Retron. Uh, I didn't get the Retron 5. I really like it. It's just too much money for me to spend because I have a Retron 3. Um, but I have the Retron hooked up to play Nintendo. So, I mean, I have already half a dozen different ways, at least to play Nintendo games. So that's, I don't know where I feel like I'm at. Um, you know, do I need a seventh? Do I need another way to play these same games over and over? Um, I'm not saying that nobody should get it. Uh, I think, um, like, uh, Earl Green, uh, uh he and I were, were discussing this on his forum, and Earl's the host of um uh Skate Pod uh podcast and a few other shows um but uh, uh he he does the uh, Odyssey 2 podcast if you go over to throwbacknetwork.net and look for the Odyssey 2 podcast uh that's listed on there as well um but Earl has two young sons that he doesn't want playing on his computer and you could just put this in your living room uh, and let them have at it you know and so i mean i think that's a great reason to purchase one of these. I have a, a a classmate from high school who is not into computers, is not into technology, and asked me about this thing. I think this is a great solution for her and her family. She's not going to go buy a Nintendo and maybe have to fix the pins. Um, she's not going to go to garage sales and try to buy all these old games. I mean, this is a one-time purchase for them. They'll put it you know, hook it up to their TV, they'll play some Super Mario Brothers, they'll play some games with their kids. Uh you know, I think it's great for that. But for me, I just feel like as time goes on, like I'm being marketed the same things over and over. You know, I, I felt that way with um the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox 360 where they were like, hey, here's the new version of Madden that looks a little bit better than the last version of Madden and I look at my video game shelves and there's 10 copies of Madden, you know, where I've, I've just been, i uh, purchased the same game over and over and over, uh, with slight, you know, better details or, or graphics or whatever. But, um, but these, I mean, this is, is the goal right now. And, and, um, I just wrote a big article, uh, on my website. it's at robohara.com and, uh, Uh, there, there's even some new, there's a, uh, FPGA based Nintendo console called the, um, retro it's by retro USB. It's the AVS. It's going to run a little bit less than $200, but it's a FPGA Nintendo NES, uh, machine takes real cartridges. Um, you know, I mean, so there, there's just so many solutions out there and when I see them, I get excited, but I don't know. It's just buying you know, the same thing. Like when does it end? You know, when I think about like all the ways I have to play Commodore games or, or Apple discs or, or whatever. And, um, I just feel like I'm buying the same things over and over. Maybe that's a sign of getting old. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, anyway, uh, if you have uh feedback about this upcoming episode or any of the old episodes that you've listened to, you can always email me. At Rob O'Hara at RobOHara.com, you can drop me a message on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash You Don't Know Flack. You can follow me on Twitter at Commodore, or leave me a message on the voice message podcast hotline, which is 405-486-YDKF. That sound means the show notes have loaded. So let's get started talking about tempting death. So my son recently turned 14 years old. And in Oklahoma, you could get a motorcycle driver's license when you're 14. I got one when I was 14. Now, when I was 14, the rules were a little different. You were limited to a 125cc motorcycle. Now, you're limited to a 250. Uh, there are some time restraints and there are some... uh Location restraints you're not allowed to go on the turnpike, for example, uh, or an interstate any place that has a minimum speed limit posted you're not allowed to go uh, but for the most part, you're free to go I mean you can roam the city on a two fifty motorcycle and uh so I'm trying to teach my son about motorcycle safety. Obviously, I survived on a motorcycle I've owned lots of motorcycles over the years I'm a lot more careful on motorcycles. Uh, than I am in cars. (laughs) Um, But uh, so a couple of weeks ago, I came home from work on Thursday and I noticed my son's motorcycle sitting in the garage and the rear tire was almost flat. So when I came in the house, I mentioned to him, uh, I said, Hey buddy, uh, your rear tire's flat. You might want to take a look at that. And so he went out in the garage and he came back in all proud, just smiling as big as he could smile with this rusty nail hanging out of a pair of pliers. And he said, I got it. And that's when I had to tell him that when you see a nail in your tire, you don't pull it out. I actually told him uh, the old parable about the, I believe it was the Dutch boy who stuck his finger in the dam (laughs) to keep the water from leaking. You can't take your finger out at that point. You're kind of, you're kind of doing a job there. Uh, So by the time we went back out, the tire was completely flat. And he wasn't al- or wasn't able to ride his motorcycle to school the following day on Friday. Now, my son normally leaves our house at 6.30 in the morning and heads for school. Uh, but since he couldn't ride the motorcycle, my wife uh, saved him from the indecency of having to ride the public school bus, <laughs> which apparently is the worst thing you could make your 14-year-old do. Uh, so, she took my daughter to her bus stop, which runs around six thirty, and then proceeded to take my son to school. So uh, he was—they were running five to ten minutes later than he would have been if he were on the motorcycle. So they took the normal path, and just a couple miles from my house is a really dangerous intersection. It's—they've uh, put up a four-way light at this intersection. But east and west, it's a flashing red light. And if you're going north and south, it's a flashing yellow light. So if you're going north and south, you don't have to stop. The flashing yellow light just warns you, you know, that there may be traffic coming from the other direction. If you're coming east and west, you do have to stop. But if you're not familiar with that intersection, and you're coming from the east or the west, and you see the red flashing light in your direction, a lot of people assume that it's a four-way flashing red light and that people going north and south will also stop. So there have been several accidents there where people have pulled up to the stop and then proceeded to pull out in front of traffic, assuming that the people with the flashing yellow lights were actually going to stop at the intersection. So when my wife, with my son in the car, Approached this intersection, uh, they saw that there had been a pretty bad accident. Uh, it involved a, a semi-truck who was going north and south. And according to the police report in the paper, there were 150-something foot long skid marks. So he had tried to stop but was not able. In the ditch, there was a small black uh, Honda, just crumpled. Uh, we found out it was a Honda from the newspaper. You couldn't tell what it was when they drove by. And in the middle of the road was a, a young man. Uh, the fire trucks had just started to arrive, so he wasn't uh, covered with a blanket or anything. And my wife said instantly she knew that whoever had been in the accident had been killed. Now, the paper says that they, they weren't dead at the scene, but they were pronounced dead. When they got to the high, uh, the uh, hospital, but it turns out it was a, a high school senior. So it was a kid, uh, who was three years older than my son. And, um, it's exactly like, like what I described. They pulled up to the red light. Uh, I'm sure they looked both ways. They were on their way to school and then they pulled out in front of a semi and the semi tried to stop, but couldn't and broadsided them and hit the driver, right square on the driver's side of the door. And, and, um, the other kid, uh, survived, but, uh, the, the one that uh, got hit was, uh, was killed in the accident. So that evening when I was talking to my son, he said, you know, that could have been me. And if you think about the timeline, it could have been him. Uh, He would have been, if he had ridden his motorcycle that day, he would have been at that intersection at around that same time. Now, you could drive yourself crazy thinking about what ifs. I I mentioned on um, episode 175, I talked about the time that I was walking down the interstate and I got hit by a truck. If you think about all the things just that day that had to line up. I mean, if I had woken up five seconds earlier or a minute earlier, and my whole day had been a minute earlier or a second earlier, I wouldn't have been standing in the same place where that truck was that hit me. Yeah. It's literally, if you think of the millions of things that have to happen to get you at the exact place <laughs> and the exact time for an accident to happen, it's really mind boggling to me uh and and if you if you extrapolate that out, not even that day, think about your whole life like all these things had to line up for you to get you know exactly where you were at it, so you know really we're lucky every second that we're not killed. <laughs> You know, and, and we're extremely unlucky when we do get involved in an accident. I mean, how many times I remember as a a young driver, I would go one way and then get pulled over and I would think, well, if I'd have gone this other way, I wouldn't have been where this police officer was. And in reality, if you compare it to all the times that I wasn't pulled over you know, it's just the luck of the draw. But but your mind doesn't work that way. Your mind wants to connect these dots and say, you know, I got in my car right before I started my car. I took thirty seconds and found the exact CD I wanted to put in the stereo, and then I got an fender bender on the way home. And if I hadn't have done that with the radio, I would have left thirty seconds earlier, and I wouldn't have been there. Which is, you know, possibly true, but. I don't know. You you can play the, these things. Um, you can play them out. You can play them in your head over and over until you you drive yourself crazy. You know, and that's what I told my son. You know, I was like, you know, all you can do is is be careful, uh, pay attention. You know, and um, we're all going to be involved in these these little moments, whether they're things that we've caused. Some of the things on my list are are things that I caused. Some of them were things that happened just by chance. Um, and, uh, so, you know, some are dumb decisions, some are dumb luck that I've survived. So, um, but it, it really just, that's kind of what, what made me think about this episode was just these random encounters, you know, that, uh, for, for whatever reason, maybe undeservedly, <laughs> uh, I survived. Um, so anyway, the uh, the earliest time that i felt like that i may have uh met an early demise was uh involved a motorcycle and actually most of these in one way or another involve a vehicle although not all in the in the way that you might assume Uh, I got my first motorcycle when I was in third grade, I was a little tiny kid and my dad had grown up riding motorcycles and working on motorcycles. And my mom, her whole family, all my uncles had motorcycles. So they bought me a Honda 90 motorcycle and it was a, it was a street bike, but I could ride it anywhere. I could ride it, you know, in the dirt and in the backyard and up and down all through the neighborhood. And we had a, a field that we would go to that we had basically, um, ridden in the field so much. It was just like an abandoned, uh, acre lot that we had, you know, made a, uh, done so many laps that it had turned into basically a racetrack. Um, and, uh, this is how young I was. I couldn't reach the ground if I sat on this motorcycle. So I had a milk crate and I would bring the milk crate and set it next to the motorcycle. I would get, climb up on the motorcycle, start it. And then uh, when I was ready to go, I would put it in gear and let out the clutch, and I would take off. And then when I was done riding, you know, I would uh, come, you know, coasting up into the front yard, or right when it slowed down, I would just jump off the motorcycle and, and uh, you know, turn it off and, and then just coast to where I was going and uh, hop off and just push it right back into the garage, you know. So I didn't have any problems riding it. I was just, you know, I was, I was a little kid. And um, I remember one day I really wanted to ride the motorcycle and my parents were going to, to a town, which was only like, you know, two or three miles away, but we live just outside. We live far enough out that I could ride a motorcycle <laughs> in a neighborhood and nobody complained. And, uh, so my mom said, you're not allowed to ride the motorcycle while I'm gone, which as a parent now seems totally legit. Right. And so I said, okay, I, I will not ride the motorcycle. So My parents, uh, I think my mom and my dad, and I think maybe even my sister, I don't really remember, but they all left the house. Well, I had promised not to ride the motorcycle, but I went out to the garage and I sat on the motorcycle climbed up on it. And then I thought, you know, I wouldn't be riding anywhere if I just started it and sat in the garage, you know, without going anywhere. And so um, I started the motorcycle up and sat in a closed garage with the motorcycle running. Uh, And so apparently when my mom, uh, they got, you know, around the block and realized that she had forgot her purse. And so they came back to the house and she went to, you know, she came in the house to get her purse, heard the motorcycle, came out there and then. Um, I don't remember if she beat me <laughs> or not. Um, it would it wouldn't uh, be out of character that I would have got a, a whooping for that. Uh, and and I have hit my kids before. Uh, in that that short moment after the fear, when the fear turns to anger, like when your kids, like one time, uh, we were at a, a neighborhood garage sale, and we were all standing like just in this driveway and Mason, he was little, he was like four or five. He just turned and walked in between two parked cars into the street and this, a van slammed on their brakes. Uh, And it was really fast and it was, he was really close to me, but it was just a few feet away. And I grabbed the back of his shirt and yelled. And of course the driver of the van yelled at me and I was like, "Eh." and you know, and everybody was like, is your kid okay? And I'm like, yeah. And then I just started beating his ass. (laughs) And it's just that, I think it's that, uh, not like I sat there and just, you know, whacked him with a stick, but I'm sure I swatted him on the butt. You know, I was like, what are you doing? And it's that, it's that release of adrenaline and fear that comes out. And I'm sure that came out of my mother that day when she came home and found me sitting on a running motorcycle in a garage. And I, I don't, think like, I don't think I got drowsy or anything like that, but I, you know, I always think what if she hadn't forgot her purse? What if they had gone to the store and I had sat there in the garage? How long would I have sat there on a motorcycle, you know, with the garage door shut? I don't know. I was a dumb kid, you know, but, um, uh, but that sometimes not very often, but I used to have nightmares about that. I used to, um, have dreams of me sitting in that garage on that thing, the motorcycle running it, you know, I, later on when I understood how dangerous that was, I think that's when it, when it kind of came back to haunt me. But, uh, but fortunately, uh, as things worked out, my mom forgot her purse. She came home and, and mom saved the day. Um, now I, I mentioned this racetrack. This was a, um, you know, a big oval dirt path that we had beaten into an old wheat field, uh, from riding motorcycles and three wheelers and go-karts around and around and around, especially during the summer, we would all just take our motorcycles. It was on the other, uh, end of the neighborhood. We would all ride up there and, um, occasionally people that live by there would come out and complain because good Lord. I mean, we would just ride motorcycles for, you know, hours and hours and, and The only business that was anywhere close to my neighborhood was a gas station that was right across the street, uh, from the field. We called it the field. So, um, uh, so if we got low on gas, we would just drive over to the gas station. Like literally I drove my, you know, go-kart across the street and, and would put gas in and buy dollars worth of gas or whatever, and, and go back and do it some more. So this path was all like loose dirt and there were holes and I mean it was kind of rough but but it was really fun you know and uh when I was in 6th grade for Christmas I got a go-kart I had had a motorcycle and my sister got a little three-wheeler and I got a go-kart and uh so I went down I was riding it around the field one day and it's this big oval so uh you know one side of it kind of runs down a fence that that borders a house. And then the two sides, the short sides of the oval kind of come out. And then the long side was right up against Northwest 10th street, which was, um, I mean, like it had a, a 50 mile an hour speed limit. So cars would just go zooming back and forth, uh, on 10th street. And so uh, one time I remember I was just doing laps, you know, I mean, I don't know how long it would take you to do a lap all the way around that's like a minute, you know, I mean, it's a big oval and, uh, I was coming on the, the side, you know, like coming down to the corner that would go near 10th street. And you, and so when you turn, you kind of like rode parallel to 10th street and you were, I don't know, two or three feet away from 10th street. Like now I would freak out if my kids were that close, uh, to, to, 50 mile an hour traffic. But, um, you know, then we didn't think anything about it. And so I was on my go-kart and I was coming in hot and I went to turn and either there was a rock or a hole or something, but it jarred the steering wheel out of my hands for just a split second. And so I whipped the wheel hard when I I re-grabbed the wheel and I ripped it hard. And, um, I started sliding, almost like drifting, like, like they do with the cars now. Cause it was just, you know, dirt and, and sand and gravel. And I slid, um, <clears throat> almost up onto 10th street and there was a car right there. And I remember just like, like feeling the wind coming off this car. It was so close to me doing 50 miles an hour. And that car stopped. That guy hit the brakes And he came over and he yelled at me and he was like, you almost hit me. I could have killed you. And I was like, yeah, (laughs) you could have like, that was scary to me. Like he was yelling at me. Like I did it on purpose, which of course, why would you do that on purpose? You know, but when you're a kid, you don't, it was that same release. I think, um, obviously a stranger, you're not going (laughs) to just hit some kid on a go-kart, but I was like, it scared me so bad. I was like, you know man, just a, a fraction of a second, just another inch. I mean, I could have slid right on that road, right in front of that car. It, it scared me. It scared me to where I, I would always slow down whenever I came up or, or when we would ride the, uh, the field, I would look and make sure there were no cars going before I, uh, I got up to that part because, um, yeah, it scared me real bad, but I just remember that stranger just out there yelling at me like, like, God, oh, that was dumb. And I was like, yeah, it was <laughs> like, I was not disagreeing with him that it was a bad idea at all. You know? Um, uh, so, uh, I, I have one other motorcycle story and this one, uh, happened years later. I was probably, oh, I don't know. Uh, nineteen, twenty. I had a, um, A Yamaha Virago, a 750 bike, and it wasn't particularly fast. It was kind of a cruiser kind of bike, but I, I bought it, I think I bought it for like $400 and I drove it around town and I had these, um, Harley Davidson sweats. They were shorts, you know, and they were black and they had a Harley Davidson logo on the front of the shorts, which was funny because, um, you know, I was riding around on a Honda, but I had these Harley shorts. Uh, and they had one pocket, like in the rear hip, uh, pocket, but the, the seat on the motorcycle was kind of skinny. And so the pocket like hung over the edge. So I was always a little afraid that my wallet was going to fall out or something, you know? So when I sat on the bike, I would always like scoot the wallet over under my butt. <laughs> like I would kind of turn the shorts a little bit just to make sure that my wallet, uh, didn't, didn't, uh, fall out, you know? So anyway, One time I I was riding through town, and I think this was on 10th Street also, but it was further down on 10th Street. 10th Street went all the way into town, so uh, we spent a lot of time driving around 10th Street. And um, uh, I, I was cruising down 10th Street, and I came over this hill, and I was going too fast. And so I came over this hill, and right when I hit the top of the hill... Uh, I came up off the seat, like my body came up off the bike, just floated up just a little bit. And it was enough that when I came up, uh, my wallet came out from underneath me. And kind of opened up, I guess. And I used to always, I always had a wallet full of change. Like I never wanted to put change in my pockets. I always put change in my wallet. Now I just don't carry change. But when I get change, I put it in my wallet. So my wallet was always this big fat wad of, uh, you know, a few dollars and a whole bunch of (laughs) loose change. So I, I came up over this hill and my wallet came out of my pocket somehow. And this change all fell out. Now think about, um, a bicycle, if you're not familiar with, with motorcycles, um, how you have the chain. And of course there's the part, you know, where you pedal and then you have these, these big gears, you have sprockets, um, that have teeth on them. Right. And that's the part that, that, um, the chain, what holds the chain in place. And so what happened was, as I was going 50 miles an hour, a quarter, um, well, I didn't know this at the time, uh. What happened was, as I was going 50 miles an hour, I went over this hill and I kind of, you know, came up and when I went over the hill, all of a sudden the rear wheel locked up. I just started skidding for no reason. Uh, And so there was a, uh, it started pulling me to the left, like towards oncoming traffic and there was a car coming. And so I tried to hold it up and the car passed, and then I went just kind of with the skid the way it was going. I I hadn't fallen over, and I went off the road into this field, and then as I went through the field, of course, the rear tire was just skidding all over the place in the grass, Um, and then right as I was coming to a stop, it kind of slid around, uh, and I laid the bike over like right at the very end. Um, Not really, I didn't really fall. It was just like, I was trying to catch myself on my feet and, and laid the bike over. Uh, and I never had anything like that happen on a motorcycle before. I never had any kind of mechanical failure, you know. And so I was completely confused. Um, and uh, so I, I fell for my wallet. And I had my wallet, but everything had, like, fallen out of it because I came over this hill so fast. And when I looked at the motorcycle in the rear sprocket, like the gear part, um, there was a quarter and a quarter had fallen out of my pocket and fallen into the sprocket between like on the tooth. It got stuck on the tooth where the chain went and that immediately caused the rear tire to completely lock up. So, uh, I, I pushed the bike backwards just a little bit and I could see the quarter like perfectly punctured um, by you know one of the teeth on the sprocket and I reached down and I popped it off and then the the wheel started turning again uh, and I kept that quarter and I have that quarter uh, I, I told again I, on the um, uh, episode 175 I told the story about when I got hit by the van uh, and I was wearing a blue long sleeve shirt. And my wife found a small photo frame and like a two inch by two inch. And she cut out a square of that shirt I was wearing that night. And in the middle of the square, she mounted that quarter. And so that's kind of like my little tribute, uh, to, uh, times that (laughs) really bad things happen. Uh, because I remember when that, first of all, I, I like I said I've been riding a motorcycle you know my whole life so when this happened I didn't freak out like I knew you know to keep the bike upright and and to hang on and and kind of avoid traffic and go where the bike took me um, but it was a close it was a close call when when something happens and you start all of a sudden you're you're being pushed towards you know oncoming traffic so it, it definitely was a, a, a scary event now to this day. I keep my wallet in my front pocket, always. I never, ever put my wallet in my back pocket. And I've had people ask me why, um, and that's why. <laughs> it's from that day, from that event, uh, ever since then, I also got rid of those shorts. Um, but ever since then, I put my wallet in my front left pocket. I put my keys, and I, I put uh, my wallet and my phone. So if you're ever playing a pit pickpocket me. (laughs) Here's some good information for you. Uh, wallet and phone go in the front left pocket keys go in the front right pocket and that's it. Uh, and if I have change, you know, it still goes inside, uh, inside my wallet, but, uh, but yeah, I don't put my wallet in my back pocket and that's exactly why was, was from this day. So, um, I, I had one other time while I was thinking of these. Um, and it, this was like, a sudden, just such a sudden thing that I didn't see coming. I don't know how you could prevent it. Um, but my buddy and I, Andy were riding one day in his car, uh, and we were just riding down the street. We were in, you know, in the city, uh, you know, local traffic, just stoplight to stoplight going slow. And I looked over to the right hand side. And there was a guy, uh, on a riding lawnmower who was mowing this field and we had our windows down. It was the summer. Uh, I had my, uh, hand, you know how you can prop, like I have my elbow on the windowsill and then my hand propped on the top part of the window opening. So my arms just kind of, uh, out there, you know, and I'm sitting there and the guy on the riding lawnmower hit a rock. And it threw that rock and hit my friend's car right on the top part, like the part of the car that would hold the windshield, like on the right, you know, of course, I'm in the passenger seat. So it hit like even with the windshield on the front part of the door, um, like the part that goes around, uh, you know, where the window goes. So I don't know if I'm explaining this, but literally it was inches from my head. (laughs) it was between it hit the car between where my head was and where my hand was resting like two inches in either direction. And, uh, and then the light turned green and Andy was like, did that just hit my car? And I'm like, yes. And, uh, you know, we're, we're kids. So, You know, we didn't, we just left, you know, the light turned green and we drove off and then he pulled off in a parking lot and we got out and looked and there was a huge dent. And this is like structurally, I think one of the strongest parts of a car, because if a car rolls over, this is the part that, that holds the weight, you know? Uh, So it's this heavy, like piece of metal. And there's just a big dent in it where this giant rock hit it. That was just inches, inches from my head, you know? And I think about that, um, like when we're driving down the interstate, you know, and my kids will roll down the window and they want to stick their head out. And I'm like, don't do that. You know, I mean, because, and how do you protect against something that's a, a one in a million rare chance? You don't, you know, you can't, you can't predict everything. You can't protect yourself from everything. But, um, but I, it didn't even sink in until later. I was like wow, if that did that to that metal door jam, what would that have done to my skull? <laughs> and I'm assuming the answer is not something good. I mean, it's going to take more than a rock to mess up these good looks, you know what I'm saying? But, the <laughs> but yeah, I'm sure it would have killed me instantly, you know, and, and it took me a little while thinking about that. And I was like, huh, you know what I mean? What can you say other than, huh, that was weird. Um, I mean, what are you going to do, ride around wearing a helmet in your car? I mean, I, I don't know the, what the defense against a guy randomly mowing a thing. I will tell you when I pull up to a, a intersection, if I see somebody mowing like that, I roll up my window. Uh, and and I'm not sure that a window – I mean, I'm, I'm assuming it would take – well, it would obviously take some of the force uh, from shooting a rock. Would it take enough to keep it from hitting you? I don't know, you know. But uh, – you know the the good thing I think about all this is as I look through this list, all of these things happened many years ago, and and I don't you know some of them are, were by chance and some of them were from uh, foolish decisions I made, but uh, I think I think once you survive your twenties, you're pretty good. <laughs> you're in there for a while, so that's that's what I feel like. I feel like um, that I, I made it. You know to a certain point, And then things slowed down. People, uh, you know, I quit having motorcycle issues. I kept, you know, I survived the golf cart era. I survived the, the kid on a motorcycle era, you know? And so, um, when, when my kid rides his motorcycle home from school, I know what time school gets out. I know what time he's supposed to be here. And, uh, there's been a couple of times where he's a few minutes late and, you know, he comes in and I yell, I'm like, Where have you been? It's like, I've got some Twizzlers at seven eleven. I stopped at seven eleven and bought Twizzlers. And kids wonder, like, why are you so mad? you know? Um and it's not that you're mad, but it's that you think, you know, you think of all these things that all these coulda bins, all these almosts, uh, these little events, you know, and I think that's I think they stay with you. I think they're always in the back of your mind. So hopefully, um, you know, if, if you had incidents like this, I'd love you, uh, if you emailed me a short story or something or, or call the voicemail hotline and leave me, I don't know what the, I think Google voice has a cutoff for like three minutes or something, but you could always call back if it's a long story and, and continue it. But, um, but I'd love to hear your stories too. So, but you know what? I don't. I feel like if you talk about bad things, bad things happen. If you talk about good things, good things happen. So let's not talk about uh, tempting death anymore. Let's uh, find a happier topic. So I will be in search of a of a more uh, happy, lighthearted topic for the next episode of You Don't Know Flack. So I'll be on search uh, for that. You guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for um, everybody. You know what? I am... I, um, I, I know I've cut back on my other podcasts. I haven't done Sprite Castle in a while. Uh, you know, I haven't done uh, Multiple Sadness in a long while, you know. Um, and um, you guys that are still on my Patreon thing uh, that are help, you know, um, I just mailed out. I mailed out the Ghostbusters Twinkies. Um, I guess that's a Sprite Castle thing, but I gave away some some, uh, Twinkies. I should probably do some giveaways on this show too. I don't know. Maybe I'll find a theme that ties into a giveaway on the, on the next episode, but all the people that are supporting me on Patreon, man, you guys, and let me open up my Patreon. I'm looking here, uh, at my, my $5 a month supporters here. And I've got, um, Rob Sherwin, Jason Wells, uh, John Morrison, Mark Alley, uh, Mark McDonald, uh, my buddy Dwayne, who uh, D- Dwayne keeps me honest, and, and I love. Uh, you know, I, I've been working on the uh, audiobook version of Commodore, and he keeps me on the straight and narrow. He's like, "How's that coming along? <laughs> When's that gonna be done?" And he has emailed me about different blog posts, and I, I love. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, of course, I like listeners, right? But I, I like more than listeners. I like friends, you know, um, and I like interacting with people and more than just people that say, I like your show. I mean, and that's great. But when people say, hey, you know, I saw that you're doing this. Have you tried this? or Like actual interaction that like takes it above and beyond, you know, uh, Michael D'Angelo, John, Roy Jacobs, all these people, man, have uh, uh, and, there, and there's a whole lot. There's too many here really to read in the the $1 category, but, uh, all you guys that have, you know, it's kept me going really. And and it's what, um, it's really, to be honest with you, what has kept me from just completely hanging up, uh, podcasting until this semester's over. Uh, you know, it's, um, the fact that I know you guys are out there and that you you still want to hear something. That's really what's, uh, uh, even though the the burner has been turned down to a light boil <laughs> recently, um, but it it's what has kept the flame going. So thank all you guys for your support. I really appreciate it. Uh, and uh, like I said, if you got those stories, send them in. If you got ideas for future topics, otherwise, I'm sure I will pick something out of the hat. Maybe um, well, I won't wait uh, until that Nintendo Classic is out for the next episode. But who knows? Maybe we'll have a um, emulation or a computer topic coming up next. So again, thank all you guys for listening. I will talk to you soon. That wraps up another episode of you don't know flack. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you'd like to send me feedback about this episode or any other episode of you don't know flack, you can email me at robohara at robohara dot com. Contact me on Twitter at Commodork. Follow the show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash you don't know flack. That's all one word. Or leave me voicemail on the You Don't Know Flack podcast hotline at area code 405-486-YDKF. You Don't Know Flack is available from iTunes, Stitcher Radio, the You Don't Know Flack RSS feed, and through throwbacknetwork.net, your home for quality retro podcasts. If you'd like to hear more podcasts from me, check out my Commodore 64 themed podcast, Sprite Castle, at spritecastle.com and Throwback Reviews at throwbackreviews.com. Both of these shows are also available at throwbacknetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on another episode of You Don't Know Flat.